are listening to a Called Collective podcast where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To learn more about the Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Welcome to episode one of the Coffee and Calling podcast Woo-hoo! with normally Dan and Griff. But Griffin, can you can you tell us what's special about today? So today we are joined by our special guest co-host, Hallie Harrington. And normally it would be me and Dan co-hosting this show together with a guest. Um, and Hallie will probably be a guest on the show at some point. Um, but today, she is actually my guest co-host because our first guest that we be, that we will be interviewing is none other than the fiery-haired Dan himself. Yes, it's so exciting to be here and to hear from Dan today. And it, just to give some context, um, I have red hair. I've been a ginger my whole life. Wow. And, you know, actually not red hair. My hair is orange. It's one of the weirdest things. A lot talk. of people is like, how does it feel to have red hair? Well, it's not, it's not red. So I don't, I don't really get that and everything. So it's, it also like it, a lot of things don't make sense. Like Griffin, you were just telling me before we got on this podcast that you're a recovering ginger hater. I am a recovering ginger hater. I repent from that sin. I am sorry, Lord. And Dan, I apologize to you. Oh my goodness. So one of the, the side things for anybody listening on the podcast is that we mostly all of us are really avid coffee drinkers, um, except Amen. for our tech guy, Tyler. Um, he's more of a, a Coca-Cola type of dude, but still good caffeine, still good caffeine. But I just want to go around the table and say, hey, guys, what are we what are we drinking today? Before we get started, I just want to give Tyler a little <laughs> bit more credit than he's due. He, he's more than just our tech guy. We would not be, this would not be possible without Tyler. Mm. But I am drinking the one. The only Folgers coffee. I don't care who hates on it. Mm. It's about to get blasted in here in about five seconds, but I'm a big fan. So it does the job. So anybody that's wondering, um, Griffin, the one day texts our group chat of our current workers, of our group of people that help do this podcast. Um, and he says, hey, guys, I'm going to pick up some K-Cups. Um, you mind Venmoing me? And we're like, yeah, sure, 100%. Right. We're thinking, you know. What, how he's going to get Dunkin'? Like Starbucks, some nice French roast, maybe a Colombian, you know. Something real good. We come into the office. Well, they, uh, Hallie and Eden and some other people come into the office, and what we just see is this big box of Folgers coffee. Classic roast. Classic roast. No Colombian, no nothing. Nope. So what's, what's what's about Folgers, Griffin? What is it about Folgers? Number one, it's affordable. That's the that was the number one on my list of priorities. It's affordable and it will keep me caffeinated. Um, number two, I know we're all master's students here. I don't think we can afford to keep buying uh, like twenty Starbucks K cups every two weeks for the same price as sixty Folgers K cups. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem very practical to me. You bring up a good point. So he's making he's making the avid point that guess what everybody Folgers. <laughs> Is the is represents the middle class citizen? Yes, fully. it does. I take captive every argument. Anybody who drinks Folgers, Folgers wears khakis. It's just a fact. And they pay their taxes. And they pay their taxes. But yeah. other than Folgers coffee, what do? Let's get into it. 
So as I said at the start, uh, we are joined by co-host Hallie Harrington. Just say a quick word, Hallie. Hello. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you here. And as I said, uh, Dan will actually be our first guest today. Um, and for those of you who don't know, on this podcast, we will be exploring um, calls to ministry, how God works through those calls to ministry, um, and how we can navigate those tough waters uh, when the call seems a little bit foggy or it seems like a false call, um, and just how God walks with us through that um, and how we got to where we are now as three uh, master's students. Um, studying ministry. So Dan, uh, how about you just give us a, a run through of your calling story? Um, go ahead. So quick thing to know about me is I grew up in the church. Um, I'm just like kind of almost like the classic pastor kid. Um, I've never known a life where every Sunday my butt was not in a pew. And I just grown up and I've always been surrounded by it. Um, but the one thing that I was really blessed about is that the atmosphere and the environment of the church was so comfortable to me. Mm-hmm. I'd say all my time growing up, it felt like my home. It felt like where I needed to be. So early on, seven-year-old Dan uh, goes to kids camp in uh, Denton Camp in Chesapeake, Maryland. Oh my gosh, one of my favorite places on the whole earth. And I remember... I was in there and I was sitting on the seat and I remember this pastor talking about the gospel, talking about salvation. And I, I was really just intrigued about it. This is when all these thoughts started to make sense and everything started to come together. Why I was sitting in the pew, what this message to this Jesus guys was. And I go back to my cabin and this guy named pastor Jack, Jack deal. Um, I had asked him, I said, listen, I, I know this story, but pastor Jack, why do you believe? And I remember he said, I love the fact that Jesus resurrected from the dead. And he said, I love the fact that he sent his spirit to fill us. But Daniel, I was a sinner. I was lost. And the fact that a man would die for me, knowing all that I did and knowing all the sins that put him on that cross and the fact that he would die for me, I know no love like that except for that one. So that's why I believe. Because that type of love, I not only want to receive, but I want to know and I want to live it out. Um, and those words, those words really changed my life. I remember Jesus almost came alive in my heart in that moment. And about a few months later, uh, we were in the church. I was playing around. I was playing on my DS. I can remember this image oh, vividly. DS. Dude, Super Mario Bros. I was like, Pokemon the, kid. I was playing around with it. You know, I actually, this is the night I just figured out the cheat code on Super Mario Bros. Where you get to like, um, you, you're playing as Luigi and everything. Yes. And I remember I was so hyped. I'm sitting in like this little Fellowship Pole. Shout out to Fellowship Poles, hey, by man. the way. Thank no you, one man. really says that anymore. But if anybody needs to know, it's like the Christianese language for just a place where people eat and just have fun <laughs> oh, in the church oh, yeah. and everything. Oh, yeah. The multi-purpose room the of multi- the church. Now it's the multi-purpose <laughs> room. Um, but I'm just sitting there. And I remember one of the ladies from the worship team comes out. And she's on the phone with her daughter. And she just seems like distressed. And out of nowhere in this side door, it blows open. And all I see is that there's this girl that was in the youth group and there was just like blood coming down her face and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, what had happened was they, a couple of the kids that were in youth group, um, got into a car accident. It was literally like right next to the church. Wow. Um, literally it was one of those things where the guy just kind of blew the stop sign and there was a truck that was coming on and just hit him right at the tail end. So they spun around and they, 
Um, I believe they flipped and everything, but it was just like nobody was like super seriously hurt, but like people were like being up, bruised, very shaken, very scared. And then the two other people in the car come running in. And I remember my dad was in the office and he comes walking out and then everybody's just distressed. Everyone's just kind of like freaking out. But there's this, my dad walks in and he just looks at the guy that was driving and he just walks over to him. And it's almost like in that moment, everybody was being frantic, but I saw this calm nature about my dad. He moved fast, but he moved, it was, it was very smooth and it was slow. And he's sitting there and this guy's just like broken. I mean, the image of like brokenness, he's looking at two of his friends um, that he has now made a mistake. And now that they're hurt, he's freaking out. He's having anxiety. And I remember him just saying over and over, what if I killed somebody? Like, what if I, what if I hurt them and everything? And my dad is just speaking of, Hey, calm down. And he's just being so, I said, I know, I know it's crazy. He said, but he's like, you can't do anything right now. Just breathe. And I don't remember too much after that. I just remember my dad calming him down and he was good. And my, and then later on my dad, obviously they called um, the ambulance, the ambulance came, everything kind of went away. And it was about around that time that my mom picked me up and she put, took me back to the house, to mm-hmm. the parsonage, another term, that, <laughs> uh, back to the parsonage. And, um, it was about my bedtime and I was shaken up and she kind of prayed with me. Um, and I went to bed and as I'm sitting there in my bed, um, I actually wasn't really told about this until about two years ago. My mom reminded me of this story. Um, and this is why, um, in recent year, I've actually been retelling my calling into ministry story because of this moment that my mom told me about. Um, and, I'm sitting there in my bed and my mom says that she began to start hearing crying out in the living room. So she comes over and she just says, I didn't feel like I needed to walk in, but I just listened to hear you. And apparently in that moment, I just began crying out to the Lord. My heart was just broken for those people that were hurt. And I was like, Lord, just please make sure that they're all right. Please make sure that they're okay. Like, uh, I, it sucks to see them hurt and everything. And then after that, my mom said, this is something like she, she, this was her moment that she knew I was going to be a pastor. She said, I just simply went, Lord, I want to serve you for the rest of my life. Mm. And what I, and I want to do what my dad does. Um, I want to do that Lord. And I want to serve you in that way for the rest of my life. And then she actually came walking into the room and she prayed with me. And then I went to bed um, and I had a lot of different reaffirming moments after that, that I was called into ministry. Um, But what's crazy is that I don't know a life where I haven't wanted to do ministry. When I was 10 years old for career day, um, I dressed up as a youth pastor. (laughs) I had um, this, uh, instead of world of warfare for uh, modern warfare, I had spiritual warfare. And it was like this cool little graphic with some baggy jeans and some DCs. Like a puka shell necklace. Puka shell necklace, all the early 2000 youth pastor stuff. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so um, I could not, with my call into ministry, it's almost been like my whole life has been like, man, like that just seems like, I couldn't imagine anything else for mm-hmm. myself. So that really, that's my calling story. That's where it really all began for me. And yeah. Wow. That is, that's just a really cool story. And it's mm-hmm. crazy to see how oftentimes in our lives, it's people around us who see the calling before we do. And like how you were saying, your mom saw that. 
before you even really accepted that as your call. Mm -hmm. And so since you were so young when you received your calling, how have you seen that evolve through the years as you've grown and aged and gotten to know the Lord more? It's a big question. It's a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Um, My life has been these times when I have felt almost like the world or things within the world trying to pull me away. Um, And I've had to step aside and ask myself right now, am I going to stay faithful to the Lord or am I just going to fall into this and dwell into this? And there's a lot of decisions in my life where I've had to come to those crossroads. Um, I remember throughout my childhood, um, I wouldn't say that I was aggressively bullied, but I was a kid that was picked on a lot but I was a kid that was picked on a lot and didn't say anything and act like I was cool. And it really built in these deep-rooted insecurities in me. And I remember one thing that really changed my life was like in seventh grade, I went to uh, camp, church camp is one of my favorite places to go. Um, And I had fully expressed to a pastor about this hurt and how I felt not really um, confident in myself. I didn't really feel like I was meant to um, be able to like, love people in a deep way. And I remember just my pastor, uh, my youth pastor, uh, just really affirming me. And he kind of said, Daniel, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Um, and I was just like, I want to tell people about Jesus. Um, shout out to Kyle Horton for that moment, because that moment sticks in my mind of him looking at me. And I remember there was this so much fear in me because it was like, am I really able to do this? But it was first by being affirmed of God's love for me that I realized this is something I can't contain. This is a love that has to be spread. Um, And in those moments, I feel like every time I've been reaffirmed to my call and everything, it's really just been me coming to the end of myself and realizing how deep, how wide, how great is the love of God. Mm -hmm. And if I was to just keep this inside it would be one of the biggest disservices I could do in my life. And I I would feel so lost. I'd feel so empty if I didn't do it. So kind of over the years, it's just been these reaffirmations of how, man, like if I don't do this, I'd just be lost. I I may have a job. I may do some good things, but it would not be nearly as good as what the Lord has called me to. So yeah, that's really how it's like advanced and been sculpted over the years. Yeah. I know you kind of touched on it too um, with, you know, just the breadth of God's love for us, but how has your understanding of like who God is and what God wants, not only for us as like the called, um, but for maybe, uh, you know, the non-minister who feels God tugging on their heart. What, what have you learned about God that we might be able to share with them through your call? Yeah. God has a purpose for you. We say that a lot in our Christianese language, like God is for you. God loves you. uh, God has a purpose for you. And a lot of people, I think I want to, I want to just share this is that, yes, we are, we are ministers, um, but we are all, we are all a body of Christ and we all have the opportunity to minister to others. Mm -hmm. Um, And some people will be like, how could God, call you into accounting? How could God call you into nursing? How could God call you into engineering? How could, you know, you do this and that. Um, And I just think of all the times that we look into the Bible and we see how 
Um, especially Paul, how he had to, for many years, do a side job. He had to be bivocational, as we would put that word today. He had to do a side job, and he had to, um, he, he would build things, and he would uh, fund himself and everything, and ministry was this thing that he would go out and do. But I, I just wonder all those times within those communities and everything, the people that surrounded Paul. I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't know that Paul was ministering to those people, sharing this gospel with them also. Mm-hmm. Um even in our own lives, like what people I think really need to know is that when God calls you to something, that means he's calling you to minister within that. Um, Just to share this, um, my sister was looking at me the other day and she's in cosmetology school right now. um, And she said, um, my ministry is going to be in the salon, Daniel. She, um, she, it, it almost, it was such a touching moment. She said, I walk in every day, 20 minutes before everybody gets there. And I pray over all of the my fellow hairdressers that are there. Wow. And I pray over the building. And then if they bring up conversations with her, if they talk to her, she's always open for that. That's ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, my, my thing to them is that, you know, God is this omnipresent being. And when he calls you, and when we look at that text with the Great Commission where Jesus says, go out and make disciples of all nations, he's not saying that just to pastors. Mm-mm. He's not saying that just uh, um, uh, Christian uh, students at a university. He's not saying that just to kids that are called into ministry. He's saying that to his people. And if you're out there and you're a believer, he's saying that to you. And I think part of the encouragement um, is that a lot of the time, and not only for bivocational pastors, but for um, you know non-pastors who are believers who go to church, I think that we forget a lot of the time that they have more access to some people who wouldn't be caught dead in a church. Um, And I know just through my own personal experience, I spent a lot of time working in a factory in the summers, every other week in here, um, making potato chips. Um, And I run into some people who would not, like I said, wouldn't be caught dead in a church. That or uh, the company won't give them the time off to go to church. A lot of them get forced over. They have to work on Sundays. Um, and sometimes it's three Sundays out of four. Um, so they don't have a lot of time to go to church. They don't have someone pouring into them and being able to interact with those people. And even if it's not vocally sharing the gospel, um, just showing the change in attitude, um, that even I've had myself as I've grown closer um, to Christ over the last three years, um, you know, showing a good attitude at work, showing a good attitude in your job. And they ask, you know, what, why are you so happy all the time? Like this job sucks. Like, why are you so happy all the time? And that's kind of your end to share the gospel. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, Jesus has changed my heart. Um, I know that my eternal fate rests in heaven. It doesn't matter what kind of hardships I go through here. And I hesitate to even call um, hard work a hardship, but that's a different story completely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you kind of, how you asked the question about how is my like calling to ministry advanced over time? I'm um, in high school uh, for two and a half years. I worked in uh, at Journeys, the sneaker store, mm-hmm. one of my favorite jobs of all time. Yeah, you're a sneakerhead. Sneakerhead, <laughs> big sneakerhead, big sneakerhead. And working at Journeys, I remember I was just this like, at first I was just this sophomore in high school, excited to work at a shoe store and get a killer Ready discount and money. everything. Um, and that place became one of the most formational places for me, like in ministry. Um, I was 
most of the time there was a few in and out, but I was most of the time like the only Christian yeah. on staff and everything. Um, just, just because she came to mind, shout out to my old manager, Jackie. She was super <laughs> dope. She was a super dope person. Um, and I remember before I left, uh, a lot of them would look at me and they would kind of be like, you know, Daniel, like what we respect about you, um, is the fact that you don't just say this Christian stuff, but you really just live it out. Um, and I can't tell you that any of them came to Christ because of anything I said to them. Um, I don't know what happened with them, but I would say this is that I had so many real conversations with them, uh, battling with doubts, um, them battling with the fact of not understanding why we follow certain things as Christians. Um, I remember just so many people on polarizing sides of the spectrum for me and the way that we see um, just our morals in the way that we stand on certain issues um, and us just having really good conversations and ministering to them taught me a lot because it helped me broaden the way that really people see stuff and the way that people experience things and why they think the way that they do. Um, and it, I, like, like I said, it was just a really good thing. And like my recommendation to any student here that's like listening and everything, if the only ministry you do right now is within a church building, you got to fix that. You are depriving yourself of what we're really meant to do. Go out to those who are lost. Um, I've never heard of Jesus before. Never heard of Jesus before. I mean, Jesus would go out to people. He would minister to a woman at the well who was a Gentile. And by cultural standards, he shouldn't be standing there with that woman. He, he should not be doing what he's doing. And that's why the disciples are so like, whoa, whoa, what's going on and everything. But when we look at that, that's such a display of like, go where it might be abnormal for you to go. I remember when I used to work at Journeys, like people would be there like, oh, I wonder how that is and everything. I'm just at literally people commenting. I bet you're the only one that could pass a drug test and everything. Mm-hmm. And I used to and I used to sit there and be like, yeah, but like, I don't want to be anywhere else. I don't want to just be in the confines of like the church building. And I loved that. I loved youth group and everything. But what challenged me would showed me what it really meant to just sit there with people in their hurt, sit there with people in their um, just like rejection of God and just still show the grace and love of God to them is an unreal experience. And it will, it will be something that formed me and changed me for the rest of my life. So again, I mean, like if you have that opportunity, um, don't run away from those opportunities early on, but take them and really seek it out. And like I said, I don't know of anybody that um, that was saved or anything, um, but I remember one of my guys, Kareem, just looking at me. And me and him were very polar opposite in a lot of different ways. Um, but him just saying that he appreciated the love that I always showed him and um, the respect that I already gave him. And right there, I mean, that's that was beautiful to me because, man, just showing people the love of Christ, you don't know what that can do. Um, and that's in God's hands. And yeah, so. Like who knows what kind of seed you might've planted Mm. and some of them may never come to Christ, but at the same time, who knows 10 years down the road, one of your coworkers, like let's say Kareem hears something Mm -hmm. and he thinks, I remember, I remember when Dan said something to me that was along those lines and he might not have been receptive to, you know, that you know, that new experience of faith, if you hadn't loved him and shown him the respect Mm. that you did um, before. Yeah. 
And Dan, like in addition to what you've just shared, which was amazing advice, what is something that you, if you could go back in time, picturing high school and middle school, Daniel, what is something that you would tell yourself about your call or about the ministry or even just about life? Don't be so much in a rush to get out. Um, I was really, I we like we said, you know, like we're part of the call collective, which is something that you know kind of comes out of Indiana Wesleyan University, and IWU was one of my dreams. I was so excited just to be able to go to a school where we would talk about ministry. Um, and there was this lonely feeling sometimes in high school of being like really the only the only Christian there and everything. I'm not going to, I never, I, I would say I never really faced persecution in high school. Mm. I never faced, you know, I'd have the once in a while people that would like sometimes aggressively disagree with me. Um, and I've had times where like I aggressively disagreed with them and everything. Um, but it was this loneliness of like, I remember just sometimes standing around and looking around and being like, man, I wish that they could understand what I understand. Um, and there was a part of me that really wanted to come to IWU, seek that call into ministry. And I was really amped and I was really excited. Like dreams are coming true. Sometimes I was just in a rush. And one of the things is those things that the Lord has put on your heart, those places where the Lord has told you to go, be patient with them. Um, this came over, um, I was thinking about this over the summer, but we are passionate people, but we need to be patient in our passion. And really sit there and be like, I want you to really sit there. Anybody that's listening to this, if you're called into ministry or not, really sit right now and say, how can I begin to minister to people around me in my job right now, in my high school right now, in my middle school right now, in my elementary school right now, in my office? How can I begin to minister to people right now? Let me not just look so far ahead and just be like, man, I can't, I can't wait to get there. I was sitting in the car this summer and we're passing by and it's one of those things where you're going really fast and everything so close to you is so blurry and it's so quick and it's just like, but for some reason, the things that aren't close to you, the things that are far away, they're so clear. And that's what I'm saying is when you're going fast, things close to you are blurry, but things far away are clear. But the, by the time you get there, because you're so much in a speed, you're not going to be able to see it. So you have to, right now, that's what my biggest advice is, is that take the slow route. Let the things far away look a bit, a little bit unclear, but let the things up close be so clear and be so attentive to those. Because I guarantee you, God, wants, if you are a person that is a follower of Christ and has a desire to live out that life for Christ, he wants to use you right now. So go. And yeah, that'd be my biggest advice is don't be so much in a rush. Mm. Start living it now. Yeah. So, so good. I love that. Um, so Dan, as Griffin and I are your, your peers, your fellow pastors in training, we would love to also just pray for you in your ministry. So is there something that you're facing now that we can pray specifically for you? Mm. Kind of just based off of what I just said, 
is that so much is about to happen. Um, I'm about to go after college, after this year, I will be working in a church. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'll probably be bivocational, um, working in a church and working in the community. Um, I'll be living out so many like dreams I've like thought of and so many things these last few years at IWU that I've desired so deeply. Um, and as I have a, I have a loving girlfriend who I hope to marry and there's all these things that are just so beautiful in my life right now that it's like you're seeing the sun like come over the horizon. But I know right now it's just time for me to sit and let that rise when it comes. And I think my biggest prayer right now is that like that kid in high school that I listened to the advice that I would give myself mm-hmm. in high school. Mm-hmm. And I say, Dan, don't be so much in a hurry, but really just pray that I can be present in this moment and dream and desire those things but to really be present and honor the responsibilities I've been given now and just love doing ministry now and be passionate and be um, really intentional with what I'm doing now before I get to that next thing. So, yeah, that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, we'll definitely keep you in our prayers for that. Um, And we hope that anybody who's listening in might pray for you too. I think it's important that uh, corporately we pray for each other um, so we ask that whoever is listening in, um, pray for Dan, pray for all of us. Um, we share that same prayer that Dan has. Um, so Dan, I just want to thank you. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for next week. Hallie, want to thank you as well for being our guest co-host. Um, you'll be making your appearances here and there as well. And we can't wait to listen to the podcast that hopefully you can uh, get kickstarted. Yeah. Um, but we just want to close here and say thank you for listening to this Called Collective podcast. All of the music you heard today was done by Caledonia, and you can find them at Official Caledonia on Instagram. That is Caledonia, spelled C-A-L-E-D-O-N-I-A, um, and that will they will also be on Spotify here soon. And we also want to just thank the uh, School of Theology and Ministry here at Indiana Wesleyan University uh, for making this possible. So thank you for listening.